Hello and welcome to the H2P podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I am your slightly recovering from sickness host, Gary Morgan. With me as always is my good friend, Corey Cresson, the beat writer for Pitt Athletics over at that same super awesome sports site. How you doing, brother? You're not the only one getting it either, Gary. I mean, this is a bug, not a landfly. This is a bug going around that a lot of people have had to deal with, have had to get past, including myself. I mean, a couple of weeks in a row, I was a rap and I was hardly able to form sentences. So you're already doing better than I am. Um, I'm doing fine now. It's just the general allergies going from, you know, these cool nights into 90 degree heat is not doing well for my sinuses. It's that time of year. So we're right. dealing with it as best as we possibly can in spite of a really fun start to the football season. Yeah. And I mean, I went out and visited my wife this weekend cause she's training for a new job. So I was in Washington, DC. It was about a hundred degrees. And there we were at Arlington national cemetery with my brains just baking oh. and this underlying cold starting to happen. Yeah. And my drive home on uh, Monday was not pleasant. So <laughs> Arlington's a cool situation though. That's a yeah, it's place cool to be. see. Did you get to see changing of the yard and everything? Yeah, we got to see everything. It was really cool. Mm-hmm. I, I, I highly recommend it. I actually didn't even know some of that stuff was there, but we have football yeah. to talk about. People probably would rather hear about that than my mini weekend getaway, right? Um, So Pitt played Wofford. We promised we'd talk a little bit about it, as much as you can take away from it, because this is as close to, and I, I hate to, to sound like this, but we were talking a little off air. Some of these teams like that have some skill position players that are kind of nice. And, you know, hey, Bub Means is a guy like that that we got, right? You know, a yeah. transfer type from, from a smaller school, skill position player. They don't have the, the, the scholarships to invest in offensive and defensive lines most of the time and things like that. So it's really hard to 100% gauge what your team does against them. This is as close to an NFL preseason game as you can get this sort of thing. So what did you take away from Wofford before we get into specifics? Just overall. Going into the game, the major factors I were looking for was number one, will the offense take care of the football? And they did. No unnecessary turnovers, hardly any forced passes from Phil Dracovic and the defense on the flip side was able to create and force. And of course, four sacks to start the season for a program that develops pass rushers with ease at this point. And look, it's not ever impossible for an FBS program to lose to an FCS. I mean, look at however many years ago it was by this point with Pitt losing to Youngstown state, Yep, you know, it's possible. It yeah, we've seen happened. it. We've seen it for a long time. I just feel like right now it's sure. got their program in a different place than it's been when that's happened. But but I mean, even in the ACC championship season, they lose to Western Michigan and they come back and they win the league and Kenny is the Heisman contender, etc. So these football games are never gimmies. And especially when you look at Pitt, when you have a brand new quarterback coming in with a brand new running back, you're losing your ACC leading rusher, you're losing your captain to your defense in Sarvasi Dennis, you're losing your best player in Kalijah Kansi. So while it was, I would say, foregone that Pitt was going to beat Wofford and it wasn't going to be an issue, it still was not impossible for anything crazy to go sideways. 
And you saw that within the first two drives of the game. Pitt ran, I think it was 16 plays that went basically nowhere. And then once Dracovic completed that pass up the seam to Bub Means, right, that set up, you know, really nice yep. scoring drive, that's when the offense started to click. And that's when the light switch, so to speak, went up. So there were some kinks to work out for Pitt in this game. And there sure. always were going to be. But the fact that they were able to get it together as quickly as they did, they were able to build a little bit of a, of a layer of consistency. Phil looked fine. I wouldn't say he came out gangbusters in this game, but he looked fine. And there's going to be some development for him, especially right now, week two, Cincinnati, week three, West Virginia, with a couple of big 12 teams. So it's a good starting point for this pit team, which is what they needed going into week two. And then with a nice, just non-conference slate with the rivalry coming up with the backyard brawl and then going right into launching into ACC play in week four against UNC. Well, you, you hit on it already with Phil, but he's really the main takeaway from this game. I would say, right. It, how he played things you can draw from what you saw. It, it seemed like he was getting rid of the ball. Okay. But he was extending the plays a little bit. It was a really pathetic pass rush that they faced. So it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's something that I think has a, has a chance to get scary. What did you think? I was encouraged by Phil's mobility. I was encouraged by his willingness to get out of the pocket, to make plays with his feet, to call out hot routes and to give the receivers the trust in game one. Again, it's Wofford. So you can say whatever qualifier you want. But it was still game one for this offense under Phil in a real situation, in a non-scrimmage, no practice, etc. So how much trust was there going to be from the start for Phil to call those reads and for Phil to say, I need Bob Means to go to the middle of the field mid-play and for Means to pick up on that and for him to do it? There's a system involved in all of that. And while it wasn't the crispest, is that a word? Crispest? Crispiest? <laughs> we'll we'll say it is. While it wasn't the most solid in execution, there were some plays where, you know, Pitt had to iron out. Again, that first, those first couple of drives were really clunky and really disgusting. And there were some boo birds flying in Akrasher. I heard them. It happens. But Phil, I think, in his style of play, he's a big dude. He's able to take some hits. And I made the joke on Twitter. Phil's the most athletic quarterback Pitts had since Kenny Pickett. And what I mean by that is he is more athletic than Keaton Slovis. So he right. will go make some plays out of the pocket. He will go get that tough first down if you need it. And you saw him already start to do that in week one, an encouraging sign. Again, I think like the theme for Pitts offense was encouraging signs going yeah. into week two and going forward. Speaking of encouraging signs before we take a break here, Got to see a little bit of Christian Valu. It mm -hmm. wasn't bad to see, and uh, he actually looked pretty decent. This staff is really high on Christian Veyer. They like him a lot as the future starting quarterback. Again, Phil Dracovic, his final year. And I know people really want Christian to start. I know people really want the ball to roll on Christian right now. It's just not going to happen. Barring an injury to Phil, it's just not going to happen. This is how Pitt is going to run its ship. Pitt needs a quarterback for next year. They need somebody ready to go for next year. And the expectation 
is that Christian will 100% be ready to go next year. Let me put it to you this way before we take a break. Would you rather have, from a knowledge standpoint, from a scheme standpoint, from a familiarity standpoint with respect to Frank Signetti, would you rather have Phil Dracovic as somebody that has already run that offense or Christian Bayer, who did not play at Penn State much, of course, with Drew Aller ahead of him and has to relearn the new offense and has to deploy it for the first time and has to get used to being a starting quarterback in college football. This is an opportunity for Christian to learn behind Phil, for him to absorb the offense. And I think him sitting behind Phil this year with Phil, with that familiarity with the offense, is going to do nothing but great for Pitt. And that was a really impressive scoring drive that Christian laid out. So good to see on that end as well. Awesome stuff. We will take a quick break. And thank you for helping me learn how to pronounce his name, which I thought, since it was spelled like Lemieux, would sound like Lemieux. But good to know. Let's take that quick break. We'll come back, pick up talking about the next opponent. We're back to the HTP podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports. Corey and Gary with you, and it's time to start looking forward. We're going to look to next week. Um, Cincinnati Bearcats, which in the past, as a Pitt fan, would scare the death out of me. <laughs> um, you know, they've been punishers of our joy for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I don't really know much about this Cincinnati Bearcats team. What should we be looking for? Should we be scared? Is this a good football team? Is this, you know, a surprising football team? What are they? The River City rivalry. If you didn't know, it's a rivalry game. I learned that this week, that it's a rivalry game. Me not being a Pitt fan, me not being a Cincinnati fan. I learned this week that there was a trophy on stake. Now there is not. They are discontinuing, canceling, discontinuing. They're not doing the trophy is the point. So whether this is a rivalry game or not is still to be, I guess, determined or it's subjective or it's however you feel it should be. But from an X's and O's standpoint, here's the main thing to take away from what Cincinnati is. They put up a boatload of points last week. I mean, they look impressive, right? Yeah. And there's no coincidence to this that Scott Satterfield is the new head coach there. And the quarterback, when you look at Emory Jones, they put 66 points up on Eastern Kentucky. There's no question that Scott Satterfield and Pitt saying it, this is coming from within their walls, that this is another Malik Cunningham situation. Emory Jones transfer from Florida via Arizona State and then now Cincinnati is a very reminiscent quarterback to what Malik Cunningham was at Louisville when Scott Satterfield was coaching at Louisville. Scott Satterfield obviously has the familiarity with facing Pitt. He knows how to scheme against Pitt's defense. He knows how to beat Pitt like Louisville did last year. So this is no cakewalk game for Pitt by any stretch. This is a team not – I know they've had a lot of players leave the program. I know a lot of graduations have happened. This is not the same team that reached the college football playoff not long ago. But at the same time, there's still a scheme and a system – 
that Pitt has to find a way to combat because that's the same scheme and system that just beat them last year. Yep. Yeah, I I have a hard time with this one. I think it's a young team. I'm not Emory Jones is obviously somebody worth worrying about. I think he is a seasoned quarterback, like you were saying. I, I he puts up stats and he doesn't make mistakes with the football all that often. So I, I do like their offense. I don't know that they can stop Pitt any more than Pitt can stop them. And I like Pitt's chances with their secondary. But this is going to be a, a challenge, I think, this week. And and if Pitt really wants to slow them down, running the football is probably going to be pretty important. Ball control, right? Pitt is a team that is built. We talked about this. We talked about this in you know before the season started. Pitt is the team that thrives and that finds a lot of success and wins quite often because of ball control. It's commanding the clock, commanding the time of possession. It's winning those battles in the trenches that Pitt builds for on the offense and the defensive side of the ball. Now, the hard part from the offensive standpoint is going against Dante Corleone. They call him the godfather for a reason over in Cincinnati. He was pro football focus's highest rated defensive player in 2022. Third team All-American from the AP. This kid is legit as a defensive tackle. And Pitt is going to have to find ways, especially Jake Cradle, especially Blake Zabovic, and the matchup to watch is Jason Collier at left guard. That team is going to have to find ways to double and neutralize Dante Corleone for that reason right there. This Cincinnati team and Emory Jones, they're going to find ways to spread the ball, but they're not going to be afraid to let Jones use his legs either. So they're going to find ways to control clock and control possession. It's going to force Pitt's offense to work efficiently, to work kind of against that grain, so to speak, where Cincinnati can be effective at stopping the run because of Dante Corleone and how just dominant he is up the middle. This is the best player Pitt's going to face, you know, over these next between last week against Wofford, this week, and next week against West Virginia. This is the best player Pitt's going to see until Drake May. Wow. So I, 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 that's what I think. I think no, I, I agree with you. I think he's that impactful. I mean, when you really think about it. So for Pitt to have a challenge like this up the middle in the way that Cincinnati is kind of built around him, I think it's going to present a wonderful challenge for this running backs room. And Daniel Carter looked good against Wofford. Who would have known that he was going to lead that team in carries and rushing and have a touchdown over Rodney Hammond. Now, whether Rodney's being preserved or not, so to speak, or, whether there's something lingering from the offseason, we don't know because Pitt doesn't share injury information. And they never will as long as Pat Narduzzi is the head coach. But that's going to take a committee effort to get past Cincinnati. That's going to take fresh legs to get past Cincinnati. And if Pitt wants to find ways to open up opportunities for Phil and for the rest of that receiver's room, they're going to have to establish that run and find a way to neutralize Dante Corleone. I think that all that sounds reasonable and Pitt does have a, a very experienced offensive line that I'm pretty sure they've practiced against a guy like uh Cansey just last year that probably prepared them for some of what they might see. Um so there there it's a it's a it's a good matchup, I think. I think it's a really mm-hmm. good test early on in the season. If you were to put these two teams side by side, Cincinnati and West Virginia. Which one of these two games are you more concerned about? 
Wow. If From a you're pit removing, fan perspective. Well, if you're removing the rivalry gradient, so to speak. That well, they're both was- rivalries, Corey. So. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah, you can say that. If you remove the rivalry gradient from either side, okay? But especially, obviously, from West Virginia. If you remove that component from it and the heat that comes with it and the emotion that comes with it, then you start to look at X's and O's. I would be a little bit more concerned from a program standpoint about Cincinnati. And it's because of the pedigree that Scott Satterfield... Quite frankly, the coaching is a huge, huge, heavy favor of Cincinnati Absolutely. over West Virginia. Absolutely. I, I can't I believe... I want to touch on that a little bit when we get forward here with the whole James Franklin flap. I loved it. Yeah, I can't believe in anything Neil Brown's doing right now at West no. Virginia. I really can't. And I know the program's kind of in a mess right now, and that athletic department right now is kind of a mess right now. But for just based on coaching alone, I would trust the Scott Satterfield team over a Neil Brown team to get a win. And then I think what Cincinnati just has more as far as scheme goes that could be pit. And obviously we'll talk more about West Virginia and CJ Donaldson as another running back, as another player that could really hurt Pitt like he did last year. But I think from a design standpoint, Cincinnati is more of a dangerous opponent than West Virginia is just based on paper. Now the emotions in Morgantown going on the road that adds so much more into it. But from that, just X's and O's sheer football standpoint, I would be a little more concerned about Cincinnati than West Virginia. Yeah, I I think that's exactly where I'm at, too. I I was going to talk about the coaching down in West Virginia a little bit as a kind of side note here. So let's go ahead and do that real quick before we take another break. I loved James Franklin's answer, and I know this is a pit show, and that's probably sacrilege, so don't. Don't hate us for this, okay? Well, like, I the love, talking about it, not me. <laughs> I'm telling the people listening not to hate us for it. I love the answer. It's exactly what he what what, what is an appropriate answer for why he ran up the score against West Virginia. He had his twos in. What's he going to do? Tell them not to try? Yeah, I mean that's basically what he said. He said a lot more words than that, but that that's the truth. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what. Of course. That's like, not running up the score either. No. I agree. I agree with Geiger's point on that. It is not running the score up. It, you're, you're, those no, twos, those twos have to get experience. They have to. There is zero substitute. There is zero like other feel that you can give your player than putting them on the football field in a game situation, regardless of score. Yep. Put them in the stadium, put them behind a crowd. Put him somewhere in a situation where he has to react. This is not blow the whistle dead, redo it situation. Live football, there is no substitute for it. So I'm with James Franklin on that. Let your twos play. And quite frankly, if West Virginia's ones are not good enough to stop Penn State's twos, that bodes well for Pitt. It absolutely does. I I just thought it was a stupid comment on their part, and I was happy to see them smacked in the face, even by Penn State. So let's take another quick break. Come back and wrap up this talk about ah, Cincinnati we'll finish up with and then maybe a basketball note.
All right, we're back to the HTP podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports. Corey and Gary with you. Cincinnati, final notes, Corey. What what should we look for besides Emory Jones and kind of hoping that he accidentally, like, can't make it to practice and gets suspended for a game or something? I mean, what should what should Pitt fans be, be looking for most besides him? I'm thinking Corey Kiner. Mm-hmm. He, he was pretty electric early on for them this year. I don't know. Xavier Henderson, maybe? What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, Kiner was the one I was going to bring up. Um, I, there's a few weapons that could still hurt you. Um, just from a sheer offensive standpoint, like Kiner 13 carries 105 yards against Eastern Kentucky when they really didn't need to run the ball much. Um, Xavier Henderson, seven catches, 149, and a touchdown against Eastern Kentucky. So it's not like they don't have weapons. You can't score 66 without, you know, nothing. You have to have some sort of weapons that can hurt you offensively. And really, I think the key defensively for Pitt is going to come down to the safeties. I think it's going to come down to P.J. O'Brien and Javon McIntyre. And specifically with O'Brien, his speed and his ability to fly from the second level to the first level and help contain uh, Kiner a little bit. And then from a pass standpoint with Javon McIntyre, I really like the dynamic that those two share against Wofford. I like the synergy that they can play with. They're good complementary styles as far as safeties are concerned. So those are going to be the two impact guys I look for on Pitt's defense that can quell some of those threats on uh, Cincinnati's offense. My main concern with with Cincinnati's offense, aside from the passing attack of Emory Jones, is his rushing attack, as you already mentioned. Mm -hmm. In the past, Pitt's defense, they would kind of have Dennis almost be like a, a shadow. You know, he would he would stay back there and stay home and make sure that the quarterback didn't hurt him with his with their legs. Who's that guy this year? Well, that guy can, can depend on the matchup because get Bengali Kamara is very athletic as a linebacker and can get the space and can just kind of run you down as a linebacker. Shane Simon is in a bit of a different role this year because of his, you know, status as the Mike linebacker, as somebody that's going to have to call the defense from, you know, an, uh, an audible standpoint. And I think Kamara is going to be the one that's going to have to be that kind of, not the Viper, because that's kind of the style of the, that they call their like package defense, one of their sub packages. But it's going to have to be Kamara from a standpoint of sniffing the ball out and from really just finding that running back and shooting that gap and being aggressive and thinking quickly. This season is going to be a really big challenge on Bengali Kamara, especially when they get to face North Carolina and some of these ACC schools like Florida State that have running quarterbacks. He's going to have to develop on that front fairly quickly. It's not really Pat Narduzzi's style, but do you consider any three safety uh, packages? The only way I could consider that is if Don... Donovan McMillan starts working in with the linebacker room. And then you have somewhat of a like like a four two five going on, or whatever the math yeah. equates to. Yeah, four two five. You would have to like find that way to incorporate Donovan McMillan over like a Brandon George at linebacker, where you have Kamara and McMillan bookending Shane Simon, and they're just able to sniff the ball out, use their speed, make tackles in that way. That would be really the only way I see that, but I also don't think they're ready to deploy another defender, especially a McMillan in that manner. That makes sense. Okay, basketball note time, Corey. What you got? Yeah, Pitt added uh, kind of the replacement, I guess, 
to Dior Johnson. It is a six foot three transfer guard, Mike Hewitt, uh, Fayetteville, North Carolina native. He played at junior college. Um, most recently did not play the last two seasons because of injuries, started his career at uh, UNC Greensboro and just recently, you know, um, got another season of eligibility. So there's not too much to analyze here, quite frankly, because this is a depth ad. And this late in the in the offseason, I mean, we're in September. The season starts, you know, next month. We're, we're getting there. It's yeah. really hard at this stage to find players and to sign scholarship players and to just find players lingering in the portal. By this point, players are getting ready for camp. They're getting ready to report. They're getting ready to, you know, solidify with their teams. So the fact that Jeff Capel had to go into the transfer portal this late to find a guy to replace, of course, with the Dior situation, um, you know, it's unfortunate. It's It could be a good find. We'll have to see. I don't know much about it because, quite frankly, he just hasn't played. So, right. you know, it's a depth option at this stage. It's very clear that Capel's going to rely on Jalen Lowe and Carlton Carrington to carry that backcourt. Um, with Ish Leggett, of course, helping along the way. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a move Pitt had to make for numbers, really. Pitt needed a guard. And this is probably, for their money, the best option that's available combined with options that Jeff Capel actually knows about at this stage. Right. Hey, maybe you get lucky, maybe you don't. So uh, It's a tough situation at this stage. It really is. Yeah, you got caught flat-footed. It's not really... Not really any any anything to think about besides sure. uh, just depth, but we figured it was important to cover, so we covered it. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, his mom might be listening, so noteworthy. It, it's yeah. very noteworthy. <laughs> it's very noteworthy. Do not get me wrong. And Pitt still has one scholarship left to 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 give. So whether that goes to one of the current walk-ons or Jeff Capel finds somebody in the portal, we are yet to find that out. Absolutely. So Corey, unless you got anything else, I'm good. I'm good as well. It'll be a fun game Saturday. I'm looking forward to that. And then, of course, Steelers opener on Sunday. Little double dip for you for those that want to hit up the North Shore Ackershire Stadium uh, this yep. weekend. Gary, we'll chat again next Wednesday. Sounds good, brother. And the show the way we always do, H2P. H2P.